Hello. Um, I feel like I should uh, tell you all a wee bit about myself, because you might have seen me, but you mightn't really know who I am or what I do. So my name is Matthew. I'm 22. I currently work for Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Got a Maz degree. Who would have thought that Maz and ministry would have went well together? Um, I've been coming to see for 12 years now. It's had a massive impact in my life. Um, through people praying with me, through people sharing with me. Um, so it's a real privilege to be here with you this evening to look at God's word and to unpack it um, at this evening. Real big thank you to, um, to Nick for praying and thanks to Rebecca for reading the passage. Seeing as this is God's word, we should come to him to ask him for help. Um, we should ask that he will bless us and he will help us to understand what he wants to say to us this evening. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through your word you, you bless us, you teach us, and that you help us to grow in our love and our faith. Help us to see our need for you and our need for others through this passage. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, there's three questions that I want to ask you. Well, technically five, but I've bunched them together a wee bit to make it a wee bit shorter. So I'm going to ask the three questions kind of like a challenge, and then we'll dive in to the passage. So, first of all, are you thankful for the people in your life? And are you looking for people to pray for you and love you? So that's the first one. Secondly, are you praying for the people in your life? And are you the kind of person who people can be thankful for? And thirdly, what are you working towards in your life? Are you preparing for Jesus coming again? What's the point in all of this? What's the point in all these questions? So I hope that these questions will make more sense when we come to the end of this talk in roughly 20 minutes. Um, but to see why these questions are important, we need to look at our passage. So let's dive in and see what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians and see how God wants to encourage us and challenge us through this passage. So picture the scene with me. Paul has just arrived in Thessalonica, home of the Thessalonians. He goes to the Jewish synagogue. He goes on three Sabbath days, which is like a Sunday for us, and he starts telling people about Jesus. Some people are convinced. They trust what Paul is saying. They believe in Jesus. Others, however, are not happy. Well, this is how it was for Paul when he first went to the Thessalonians. It tells us in Acts chapter 17, verse 5, that some of the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. 
bad characters. We, we've all heard of someone getting the boys around <laughs> to sort you out. Well, this is effectively what was happening with Paul. Paul was in a bit of a mess. He had to leave the Thessalonians, just as people had turned to Jesus. He wanted to stay with them. He wanted to encourage them, to teach them, to see them grow in faith and love. But certain death faced him if he did not leave. Now, in this letter to the Thessalonians, we're seeing his concern for them. Two weeks ago, with Sam Finley, we saw that Paul has a desire to know how the Thessalonians are getting on. Paul couldn't go back because it was still far too dangerous for him. So he sent his close friend, Timothy. Timothy was sent to strengthen and encourage the Thessalonians. He was sent to train them, to challenge them, and to preach the message of Jesus to them. In our passage this evening, Timothy has been, he's seen, and he's got the t-shirt regarding all things Thessalonian. He's returned, and what does he bring? Does he bring a postcard? Does he bring a souvenir? Does he bring a teddy bear with Paul's name on it? No, he brings something far, far better. Timothy brings good news of the faith and love of the Thessalonians. Things were going well. In fact, they were going better than well. When we hear the words of good news in the Bible, we're immediately transported back to our days in Sunday school where we face the question, what is the gospel? Well, we know it's the good news about Jesus. We know it's the best news that we can possibly hear. But when Paul says good news here, he isn't talking about the gospel but he does want us to think about the gospel. This is the only time in the Bible when the word for gospel is used, not exactly meaning the good news of Jesus. Why is this important? Well, we've just said that, we've just said that the gospel is the best news. So clearly the news about the Thessalonians is pretty good news. Clearly the news about the Thessalonians is bringing a tremendous amount of joy. Hearing this good news by the Thessalonians is as momentous for Paul as hearing the good news. Now I'm thinking, well, Paul, why is this such good news? Why are you so joyful? Paul had left a bunch of new Christians in a tense city. We've just seen that Paul had to leave Thessalonica because they were going to kill him. He had no idea whatsoever what was going to happen to these new believers. What if Paul's time with them had been pointless? What if they were persecuted to the point that they turned away from God? The worst possible thing that could happen. Because of Paul's love for them, He was worried. He was afraid. The thing that Paul wanted was for them to have faith. Well, the good news brought back by Timothy is that they have faith and love. Now, the faith that Paul talks about isn't the faith 
that we all have in our chairs supporting our weight this evening. Um, it's not the faith that I have in my phone to be able to provide me with funny clips of the office. The faith, the faith that Paul is talking about is the saving faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ, that the Thessalonians, despite all the persecution, have clung to with all their might. That is why he is so joyful. They haven't turned away from Jesus. They still believe. They have kept their faith. Of course, Paul is going to be overjoyed at this news. Paul's joy comes from knowing his ministry is being blessed. God has used Paul's ministry to first bring the Thessalonians to the saving faith, and secondly, to grow their faith. We saw in chapter 1 weeks ago with Henry Capper how the Thessalonians turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for Jesus to come again. This is a clear sign of repentance and faith. And clearly they have continued in this faith. They have continued to grow in their knowledge of God. Not only have they grown in their faith and love of Jesus, but through their faith and love, they're thinking of Paul. They're thinking of Paul's ministry. Their love for God, their faith in God, has driven them to pray for their Christian brother, Paul. Look at verse 7. Paul was facing trials and persecution. He needed the prayer. He needed the encouragement of these believers just as much as these believers needed Paul's encouragement. How the priorities of the Thessalonians have changed. They no longer worshipped idols. They no longer put things ahead of God. Now, because of God working in them, they're praying for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to sustain, in fact, to strengthen Paul in his ministry. How has all of this encouraged Paul? Well, when we look at verse 8, we see how. He says, now we really live knowing you're standing fast in the Lord. Don't you think of a soldier who's going off to war? He's got his bags packed. He's got his uniform on. He goes, leaving his loved ones. They're worried. They're sad to see him go. They miss him massively. The only thing that they want to know is how their dad their husband, their son, their brother, their best friend is doing. Days go by, worry increases. Weeks pass, the thoughts of what could be happening are unbearable. What if the enemy has captured him? Life seems to stop as they wait. Then, through the front door, comes a letter. On the front is the handwriting of the soldier. Inside, a letter filled with good news. All is well in the battlefield. The soldier is always thinking about his loved ones. He's looking forward to seeing them again. 
Imagine the joy the family and the friends experience. They feel like their lives can continue again. They are encouraged beyond belief. Well, this is how Paul felt when he heard the good news of the Thessalonians' faith and love. They are still alive in Christ. Paul can barely contain his thanks. Look at verse 9. How can he thank God enough for the good news of the Thessalonians' love and faith in Jesus Christ? Tomorrow morning, when I walk into Rich Hill Presbyterian Church, there will be people, young and old, asking me how CE went. When I tell them that 300 young people came to hear the word of God and to sing praise to God, how do you think they're going to feel? They will be blown away. They will be overjoyed. They will be so thankful. They will be filled with hope for their children and their grandchildren in a broken world. What about when you walk into your church tomorrow morning? Maybe you're, you're one of the few young people in your church. What difference does it make to the old people seeing you there? Well, the fact, the, the fact that you are there showing you have faith in Jesus is such an encouragement to everyone in your church. Your love and your faith in Jesus is something that people are massively thankful for. So, thinking back to the family, they're overjoyed to hear from the soldier. He's alive, but he still isn't home. They still worry. They still have their concerns. Paul is overjoyed at the Thessalonians keeping their faith. But he still has his concerns, his worries. Paul, knowing the temptations and the evil of the world, is still realistic. The Thessalonians aren't home and dry yet. They haven't reached the finish point of their faith. The reality for all of us is that we are not home and dry yet. We cannot stop fighting. We cannot stop clinging onto our faith in Jesus Christ. What does Paul do for the Thessalonians in this situation? Well, look at verse 10. Paul prays, and he prays hard. Paul prays and prays and prays. What does he pray for? Paul prays that he will see them face to face. He prays that he can supply what is lacking in their faith. So I'm sure you've all seen the books Such and Such for Dummies, where you read this book to start learning about certain topics um, before you move on to something more advanced. Well, initially, I thought there's no such thing as Christianity for dummies, but I stand here proven wrong. Uh, when I looked it up during the week, it turns out you can buy it on Amazon, have it delivered on Prime for about £23. And it's written by the same guy that wrote Facebook applications for dummies. So it must be really, really helpful. Um, personally, my thoughts about the book are that it's a load of crap. 
And I'm sure that Paul would agree with me because Paul isn't saying to the Thessalonians, remember when I first told you the gospel about Jesus? Yeah, well, that was just Christianity for dummies. Let me send you through the sequel. No, Paul is saying that the gospel that saves you is the gospel that matures you. We constantly need people like Paul, people who genuinely love us, people who genuinely care about our faith and relationship with Jesus. We constantly need these people to invest in our lives and to pray for us. We need to be people like Paul. We need to always be loving and praying for the people in our lives. None of us are ever at a point where we don't need help. Paul Tripp, pastor from America, tweeted during the week, there is no such thing as spiritually healthy, independent living. Spiritual health is a product of being humbly dependent, first on God, then on the helpers he provides. Let me say that again. There is no such thing as spiritually healthy, independent living. Spiritual health is a product of being humbly dependent, first on God, then on the helpers he provides. We are needy people. We are needy people needed by other people. We are not to go through life on our own. We are to support, encourage, and pray for our church, for our friends, for our family. And we need our church, friends, and family to support and encourage us. But why is this all important? Why was Paul not happy with where the Thessalonians were? Why was it so important that they grew? Well, when we look from first from verse 11 onwards, we see that Paul wanted the Thessalonians to love more. He wanted them to be blameless and holy. Paul wanted them to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Now, did Paul give this to them as a checklist? Was he saying, once you love more, once you reach a certain level, you're ready for Jesus coming? No. Paul was praying this prayer to God. Paul was asking God to do the work in them. We need to trust that God will take our prayers and use them to transform the lives of the people we love. We need to trust that God will work in our lives too. We need to admit that we are needy people. We need to admit that we need God's help and we need to seek God's help. We need to admit our need for Christians in our lives who love us, who want to pray for us, who want to see us grow in our love and faith of Jesus. And if we deny our need for God's help. We're resisting his grace. We're not preparing for the day that Jesus will come again. 
When the people we love have faith and are growing in their faith, we are thankful to God. Let me tell you a story about my mum. About three years ago, my mum became a Christian. um, And I remember the day that she told me, I was in the library um, at university and it was in around May time. So the library was, was packed with students revising. And I get this text off my mum. I look at my phone and my mum like, has, has basically written this essay um, to explain like, what's happened. And, and I see that she has become a Christian. And immediately, I start to smile like a weirdo um, amongst like a bunch of students who are who are stressing out, and I start to cry as well, um, surrounded by all these people. And just as I was writing this, it made me think how thankful I was to God for seeing my mum become a Christian. And across the past three years, how she's grown and matured in her faith through going to church, through having close Christian friends who love her, who pray for her, who want to see her know Jesus better. So, when the people we love have faith and are growing in their faith, we're thankful to God. And when we have faith, And when we are growing in our faith, the people that love us are thankful to God as well. So let me come back to the three questions. Are you thankful for the people in your life? Are you looking for people to pray for you and to love you, to see you grow in your faith and your knowledge of Jesus? Are you praying for the people in your life? Are you the kind of person that people can be thankful for? That people can come to to say to you, can you pray for me? And finally, are you growing in your love and faith of Jesus? Are you preparing for Jesus coming again? And through this growth, through this preparation for Jesus coming again, are you an encouragement to the people around me? We need people. We are needy people needing other people to love us, to pray for us, to bring the word of God to us. Do you see your need? First, for God. Secondly, for people. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you sent him to to bring us into saving faith. We thank you that through Jesus and through the people in our lives, we can grow in, in our love and faith. And through our growth, we are preparing for the day 
that Jesus will come again. Help us to be people that are open and honest with our friends, with people in our churches, so that we may grow in love and faith of Jesus. Help us to be blameless and holy, preparing for the day that Jesus comes again. We pray this in the name of Jesus.